Good Erev Shabbos, Parshas Truma. Let's jump right into our Torah. The Pasuk says, Dabr al-Bnei Yisrael v'yichuli Truma. And the Medrash says that the word Dabr, which usually just means speak, the Medrash says it's similar to what we say, Dabru alev Yerushalayim. And when we talk about that, Dabru alev Yerushalayim, it's a language of appease the people of Yerushalayim after the destruction. Speak to them, comfort them, appease them. And the Medrash says, seems to say, that you have to appease, you have to do some appeasing over here as well when it comes to speaking to Kal Yisrael and telling them to give truma. And the Bali Musr point out that the idea over here is that because they're spending money, this is clear in the Medrash, is they're, they're being asked to give away some of their money. And therefore you, Moshe, you have, to, you have to kind of appease them. You have to speak to them and make them feel good about it. And the idea that Bali Musr say is that we're often very dismissive of the pain that goes into doing a mitzvah. The pain that goes into doing anything difficult. We often have this attitude, which is, look, at the end of the day, this is clearly the right thing to do. This is what you should do. This is how you should do it. As if, because we know what the right thing to do, that that creates a situation where you're no longer allowed to also say, this is difficult for me. We end up being dismissive. Um, we do it to our kids. Maybe when we tell them to give meiser, and we say, hey, give some tzedakah, and if they're having a little bit of a hard time, our attitude is like, oh, to do a mitzvah, you should do it. It's so, it's so easy. You, you, you made more money than you deserved, whatever we say. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, a little bit of kind of fear on our part of like, wow, my kid, if my kid isn't like loving to do every mitzvah, what's going to be? Um, but I think from the Bali Musa, you're seeing that it, it, it's really uh, a misplaced kind of uh, thing that you're doing to, to, to dismiss that person's pain. Um, the the Bali Musa bring that this is brought down in Chazal, that the reason we don't say Shasimcha bimono, which is a very special bracha, we don't say that at a bris, is because this child is in pain. The kid was just in pain. We talk about the joy that is happening. You shouldn't say that because the kid is not happy. At the end of the day, if we ask the kid, by the way, you just had a bris. You just created a, a kind of a ticket into Klal Yisrael. You just became such an important member of Klal Yisrael through this bris. Are you happy you did the bris? Of course he's happy you did the bris. But at the end of the day, right now, it's painful for him. And I think maybe we could say is that um, it doesn't mean we can't educate our children and teach them, by the way, the value of a mitzvah, it's gavaldic. But just like Chazal say that we don't try to appease somebody at their moment of kas, their moment of anger, we understand while they're experiencing anger, they need to just allow it to, to just go through them, experience it. We understand later, a few hours later, a few days later, Perhaps that's the right time to actually bring it up and say, by the way, this is, uh, you know, this is such a great mitzvah. But what you see from the Pasuk 
Dabra of Yisrael is that you are, you're not off uh, between you and yourself, between you and your children, um, in, in your chinuch, is, is, you're not doing something off by saying, yeah, this is a hard mitzvah. I understand this is difficult for you and, um, you know, I'm sorry, let me know what we could do to make it easier um, as opposed to just kind of forcing it down their throat, um, which again, I think often comes from our fear of like, what's going to be with this person? So that's the uh, beautiful idea of Dabra B'nai Truma is do it in a way because they're losing money, appease them. Don't guilt them into uh, giving that money. Understand the struggle and appreciate what they're doing and there will be time in the future for them to figure it out, for them to understand that, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm very happy I did this mitzvah. Okay. So a story. I heard this story. Um, there was a Mr. Goldstein and he was, uh, he had passed away. It's a small funeral and <clears throat> some people came in, everybody who spoke had something to do with the, with the nifter, with the person who passed away. And somebody walks in and he says, I'd like to speak. So they said, yeah, you know, uh, who are you? He said, well, you know, did, did you know him? He says, no, not really. He said, I, I'd like to just say something quick. So they were a little uh, unsure, but he looked like a Ehrlich guy. He looked like, like an okay guy. And so he said, fine. So his person gets up and he says, I want to tell you, I didn't really know this person so well, but I want to tell you something. I said, what happened? He said, you know, Mr. Goldstein, he was a, an older man, and he came into our yeshiva, <clears throat> and he wanted to go to Shir, which is amazing. Most people are just uh, Bachram over there. And really, the 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 Magid Shir was not so comfortable with it. There's sometimes a, a different style. Uh, you know, Bachram and yeshiva are... Just you know, very serious, and 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 there's a certain tone, and they didn't know if if he would have that same tone. Um, and but he said, yeah, I really want to come. Fine. So so the Magid let him come. So he came for a few days, and one day, um, there's uh, in the middle of the shear, a you know, the phone goes off, and everyone's like little, little quiet for a second, and. You know, he, he they see everyone, you know, eyes on, on Mr. Goldstein and they they look at him, he quickly takes out his phone and presses something and uh, puts it away. Okay? Everyone's uh, slightly annoyed. Um, ten minutes later, it uh, it goes off again. And now it's really awkward and he looks like he's getting uncomfortable. He quickly pulls it out and tries to press it. It looks like he's trying to to shut it down. Everyone thinks, okay, finally it's done. And another 10 minutes later, uh, it goes off a third time. And this time, the Magachir literally gets up. He says, you know, I'm, I'm done today. And, and he walks out and it's just uh, very awkward. And and that was that. So everyone at the funeral is kind of like, why Like why is this person saying this? So this uh, this young guy says, look, you know, I was in the Shir. I was a Bacher there. And it was actually my phone. He said, my phone went off and I didn't know how to turn it off. And Mr. Goldstein took out his phone every each time that it went off. He took out his phone and he made it as if it was his phone that was, uh, that, that, that was going off. That was the problem. He says, he saved me such embarrassment. A, a bacher over there didn't even have a phone usually. And 
he said, this is something I need to share this funeral. So just uh, an amazing story. I think it brings out how, in general, um, so many of us are, are, without even realizing, uh, we become so competitive over, you know, making sure that people know we didn't mess up. And here you had somebody uh, who did the opposite, and he was able to get that covered at his last moments uh, at his hesped. Amazing story. Okay, so I want to throw out a really interesting Shiloh, of course, uh, Rav Zilberstein. The Shiloh is as follows. So uh, there, there are some people at, a, at the beach, and Ruvain, uh, he sees that his son is, is like pretty far out. And it looks like he's starting to be in distress. It looks like he's he's starting to drown. Ruven gets really nervous, and he 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 says, "Who could save him?" And no one's no one's running there. It's, it looks like it's like a little bit of a dangerous situation. And he screams out, "This is an Eretz Yisrael." He says, "Whoever saves my son will get eighteen thousand shekels," which I don't know what the exchange rate is, but maybe between four and five thousand dollars, a lot of money. He says, "If you save my son, I'll give you eighteen thousand shekels." So. That was enough motivation, and Shimon runs, and he, he jumps in, and he saves the kid. When he's bringing the kid back, Shimon realizes it's his own son. Shimon realizes that it was his son who was struggling, and that he, he literally had just saved his own son's life. And wow, he's so, he's so happy, Baruch Hashem. Um, but then he realizes, he says, uh, Reuven, pay up. Ruben says, what are you talking about? Pay up. You just saved your own kid. He says, so what? You, you know, <laughs> I really appreciate that I, I was able to save my own kid, but you actually said whoever saves that kid uh, will get 18,000 shekels, and that was me. So this is, the, this is the Shiloh. What do you think? Unbelievable Shiloh. So Zilberstein brings <clears throat> the Ramah in Choshen Mishpa, um, pay Aleph. And the, the story over there is, someone tells his son-in-law, hey, I'd like you to learn, and it says that he, he has money, which is uh, an important part of this. He says, uh, the, son, the, son, the son is a rich son-in-law. So he says, um, he tells his son-in-law, hey, learn with your son and I'll pay you. I'll pay you. He wants him to learn with him, he's not learning. And he says, I'll pay you. So the Ramah says, the father-in-law is Potter. Okay, it's because of the fact that this guy's anyway rich, so he didn't really rely on it so much, and he's chayiv to learn with his son anyway. A father is supposed to teach his son anyway, and the father-in-law was just, the grandfather was just trying to make sure that his son-in-law would do it. He's allowed to say what's called in Hebrew, Meshat Anibach, that I was just kidding. So he could say, I, I didn't really mean that, which is fascinating. There's a machlokas over there between the Ketsos and the Nesivas. The Ketsos says that really, when it comes to hiring people, you don't need a Kenyan. You don't need a formal action. So really, uh, the Schiras, the hiring of somebody, are created with words alone. And therefore, he says, even though the Ramah says this, it just means that if the father-in-law knows I was never really planning on, give, uh, on, on doing this for real, then he could say, I, I, I didn't mean it, and we trust him. But, says the Ketsos, if the father-in-law knows that in my own heart, I know I was serious, I was actually going to pay him, 
Then I realized after that, well, this is ridiculous. He's supposed to learn with his son. Okay, but at the time, I know, if I'm being honest with myself, I was really going to pay him. He says he's in fact chayev because you were going to hire him. You, you literally meant it. The Nesivas over there says, no, there is no schiris over here. It's as if I would say, I'm going to pay you to put on your own tefillin. If I would say, I'm going to pay you to put on your own tefillin, there is no schiris, there's no hiring that's going on. And therefore, uh, even if I know I was serious at the time, it, is not, it does not actually, um, it does not affect <clears throat> whether or not you owe the money. So Razil Rasin says, maybe over here, it's dependent on this machlokas. Over here, Ruvain absolutely meant that I'm going to pay you, okay? And now he's kind of changing his mind, saying, well, I, I didn't realize what was going on. So maybe, according to the Ketzos, <clears throat> according to the Ketzos, Ruvain was paying Shimon to do something for his own son, for Shimon's son. And according to the Ketzos, if he knows that he meant it, he's Chayev. According to the Nesivas, if he... The fact is that Shimon, it was Shimon's chiv, it was Shimon's mitzvah, because his own son. So therefore, uh, he would be potter. That's what he wants to say at the start. But then he says, it could be even the Nesivas over here would agree that the truth is, you're not really chayev, even for your own kid, to put your own life in danger. So therefore, really, it's different than the case of the father uh, the father learning with his son. He's chayev to learn with his son. A father is not chayev to put his own life in danger to save his son. It turned out that, that would he have done it? He probably would have done it anyway. Okay? But is he chayev? He's not chayev. Therefore, when Ruvain told Shimon, I'll pay you, it's it's for real. It's not I'll pay you to do your own chayev. It's I'll pay you to do something that's that's supernatural, more than you're chayev to do. He didn't realize that it was his own kid. Okay? So, he goes back and forth a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and, and again, he's, he seems to say that Ruvain, Ruvain can't say, well, my promise was based on a mistake. Because he says, what do you mean? You were trying to save a Jewish soul. At the end of the day, you saved a Jewish life. And that's what you're trying to do. You can't say that, well, I was only trying to save my own kid. No, it's a big mitzvah to save any Jewish life. The maskana, the conclusion of Rav Zilberstein is fascinating. He says, Ruvain actually owes the money. Okay? Because Shimon was not Chayev, he owes even the Nesivas would agree, like we are saying before. And he says, Ruvain owes the money. However, there's a famous rush. The rush says that you're not going to, while you're saving someone's life, let's say it costs you money to save someone's life. You don't have time to reach out to the person and say, hey, I'm about to come save your life, but uh, are you willing to pay for the costs? You don't really have time to, to make that arrangement and make sure he's good with it. The rush says, I, I assume, as long as it's reasonable amount mm-hmm. that it costs for saving his life, the rush says, just save the person's life, and then you could be toveya him. Then you could come back and say, hey, here's what I spent, here's what you owe me. And so therefore he says, you know, Ruvain does owe the money. However, he can now go over to Shimon and basically say, okay, uh, this cost me 18,000 shekels. You need to pay me that back because that's what it costs based on the rush. So basically, he would have his money right back in his in his hands. Uh, so he, he wouldn't really end up having to be chayev. The nafkamina, what comes out, maybe an interesting case would be as follows. What if Ruvain thought, again, thought it was his own kid and he paid Shimon, 
and it turns out that he saved Levi or Levi's kid. What would be there? In that scenario, then what would happen is Ruvain is chayev to pay Shimon, even though, oh, I thought it was my own kid and it wasn't, it was Levi's kid. So Ruvain would be chayev to pay Shimon. Shimon has the right to say, you owe me 18,000 shekels. And Ruvain would then be able to go to Levi and say, by the way, I saved your kid and it cost me 18,000 shekels and therefore you have to pay me back. So in the end, Ruvain wouldn't really lose money, but Shimon would be able to gain money because he did this. Have a wonderful, uplifting Shabbos.